love joy actually. <laughs> Shall I start? I've dropped pizza on myself. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Are you ready? Are you ready, Em? Who's gonna go first? Um uh, you you go first because right. it's yours. Oh Em does all the work and I get to claim it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to open with. Hello and welcome back to Lovejoy Actually. And what episode are we on? Seven. Seven. This is episode seven of Lovejoy Actually. I'm we so thought, proud of us. I'm, I'm quite proud of us for, for carrying on yeah. this long. Um, I think now is a good time. Uh, we're getting an increasing number of followers on Twitter, so it's a good time to reintroduce ourselves. Uh, we are Lovejoy Actually. My name is Paul. Uh, my name's M. And I'm Helen. We all sound exactly the same because we're the Metropolitan Liberal Elite. So Helen has. <laughs> I Helen, sound a little bit less northern. He Helen sounds think? a little bit less. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think I sounded at all northern. <laughs> now I'm questioning myself. Uh, I don't think. Well, I don't think you have a northern accent. I think you might have a northern inflection. My parents are from Manchester. There you go. I think I might have mentioned before that my um, grandparents live next door to Ian McShane's parents. Yeah, Harry, Harry in, McShane. In Davy Hume. Harry McShane. Which I realised after I edited it, we didn't go anywhere else for that. You literally just throw it out into the podcast like, by the way, this is what happened. What I want to talk about this. What? I, I, just, I, what? I feel like I need to get more details from my granddad. But um, but yes, they basically my grandparents lived next door to his parents and knew him, and so when he was a small <gasps> child, a tiny they love child. knew of him. Little little baby Ian, probably not oh a baby. Oh my god! Can you imagine his hair? And uh, Harry McShane was quite a well-known footballer because he played for Manchester United. That is correct. Yes, he's a really really good. Footballer. And my granddad is a big Manchester United fan. Oh. It's because it's all right if you're actually from that part of Manchester. We'll have, um, we'll have to get your granddad on. Oh, it's well, our first interview. Maybe next time I go and see him, I can record a little bit. He can tell. Yes, yes. that can Absolutely. be for our Patreon subscribers. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that that is a fact. But I'm afraid I don't know any more details than that. Oh, so I'll try and see amazing. if I can get some stories out of my. Well, I wish I had some sort of love joy connection. I don't have anything. I've I met him outside the back of a theatre once. Not love joy in McShane. He wasn't in character. The Sorry, I, could, I was just picturing it. <laughs> complete silence as I pictured. No, he was playing Daryl Van Horn in The Witches of Eastwick. Was, was he? Was he nice? Ian McShane was lovely. Oh, he was really, he was really, oh, really lovely to me. We went and watched The Witches of Eastwick, and I was eighteen, and I'd just come to London for university. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and I'd just come out of my serious love joy. I just, I just, <laughs> no, I was still, and I had I had the loveliest chat with him, and because um, I waited outside the back of the stage door, just just me and my my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, oh yeah. my god, this is <laughs> the we... most lovely. And we waited. I would. I would. We 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 waited outside oh outside the stage door. God, and Ian McShane so came out, and he was uh, a lot. He was less tall than I expected. He's quite short. That happened to me with uh, not as exciting. I want to say. Oh God, I can't remember his name. Chris Barry. Oh, no, yeah, Rimmer. Yeah, Rimmer. Dwarf. Yeah. yeah, it's actually quite hot in real life, but very short. So Ian, Ian McShane came out in a baseball cap. I remember he was wearing a baseball cap. Oh, and I bet I, he had Converse. I thrust Converse. my ticket at him, and I've got this right cheap ticket, and we've been sat right up... That's not a euphemism, though. <laughs> I was waiting. Thrust my thrust ticket, at, my him, ticket at him. And we've been sat right the way up so that sort of we could just see the sets changing because we were so oh. high up, you know, because we were poor students. And he stopped and he chatted to me for a couple of minutes, and he was sort of impressed, stroke scared, that I had a thing called Soul Survivors on video. I don't know whether any of our 
Twitter followers remember he was in a two-part special with Margie Clark called Soul Survivors that was the most oh, fantastic sort of mini film. And it's never been shown again, as far as I know. And it was We've got to find it. It was really, really good. I used to have it on video. And he it's played all right, a, don't worry. 20 people will tweet you where it is now. He played a <laughs> DJ in Liverpool and it also they also ended up going to America. So, of course, I loved it because it felt like the Lost Colony. Now, I, now I feel like I might have seen it. It was absolutely... But it has Isaac Hayes in it. It was absolutely brilliant. Whoa, it was it really, really, really bloody good. But he was very, very sweet and very nice to me. He was a really lovely man. Oh, such a relief. So there God we go. Anyway, so today we are discussing episode seven, I think we're on oh, now, yeah. uh, which is called The Real Thing. That's Helen's right. got a summary. I've got my obligatory summary. So we'll see how closely it fits to the actual plot that we just watched. But actually, there wasn't much plot in this one, so I feel there like wasn't it wasn't really. This is where I think we're going to... Helen's gonna... showing her hand early. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on, read us the summary. Um, Lovejoy cons some demolishers out of a Victorian spiral staircase for a cottage Jane is renovating. To avoid them, Lovejoy heads to Norwich with Jane to help Tony Palmer set up a new antiques market. Lovejoy soon suspects the market isn't what it appears to be. Mm. Bam, bam, bam. Meanwhile... Lovejoy borrows a painting from Jane to settle the score with some con artist who scanned his local shopkeeper. There were sort of two stories. It was like a story within a story, but neither of them had any sort of major peril in them. Yeah, or... the, pe- the peril has been reduced from moderate to mild. Non-existent peril. Non-existent peril. Um, traces of peril, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> there were traces of there was a there was the obligatory fight scene. There were there oh. was a fight scene, a very half-hearted fight. It's like they gave up halfway I mean, it, through. They ran out of energy. It seconds. lasted about five seconds. I I think we're going to disagree on this because I I absolutely loved this episode, and I think the reason I loved it was because actually you didn't have to concentrate half so much. They, <laughs> Some of the others. Yeah, because, put the Ruffy in the front here. We want this lad. It, what? It, hang on, who wrote this one? We need I, to name Do you know what? Them. I don't know how you pronounce his surname. His first name was Francis, and it, I think it might be pronounced Maggie. Um, you, you look at a poem with a minute. But I really liked it because it didn't involve too much oh, concentration, yeah. which actually Should meant... Have, go on. Francis Megahee? Right, Helen, Google how to pronounce Megahee. Okay. <laughs> right, carry she on. She gets all the best jobs. <laughs> Can I say how much you love it? No, no. So I, basically, I really loved it because I think because you didn't have to concentrate so much on the plot because the plot wasn't particularly intricate. Mm. It was just it was just fun, and you could really concentrate on the character um, development, the, the character development, and the humour. There was a lot of humour. It was very in funny, this. and we ended up having quite a lot to talk about, which probably wasn't intended in 1986, but it was so dated. It was really dated. Well, in a in a, it was dated in a sort of. Nostalgic like period piece way. Semi-nostalgic way. And what way. was really interesting about that is, um, Matey Boy, scam artist, Palmer, Palmer, he was setting up a 20th century antiques market, he which was. when you think about it, they were filming it in the 20th century. They were, but he was he was supposedly into things like Art Nouveau and potentially Art Deco, <laughs> looking, looking so at the funny. style that he was setting up yeah. the antiques uh, market in. But it did. I think um, I think we need to go into a bit more detail. There are, there are two completely separate mm. plots within this that actually don't join up at all. I thought, oh, maybe they're going to join up in some sort of elaborate way, and they don't. No, so, no I thought they were going to as well. So the first, uh, the first plot, really, is a, a kind of... Good old fashioned scam artists. Yeah, these of... are grifters. They're, they're... Do you want to tell us more about grifters? The then? reason grifting came into my mind is because, one, the minute the scam started, I knew exactly what it was. And the reason I knew exactly what the scam was is, I think, because this is where I've learned all my knowledge of grifting, 
It's from the book American Gods. Oh, yes. Which <gasps> ties in beautifully yes! because, of course, Mr. Wednesday, who is meant to be Odin, is played by Ian McShane. But I've never watched beautiful. American oh, Gods. I've oh, never read it. But, but he does he, is, is he still a good artist, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and a lot because of them are. Now I feel like one of the reasons it. for his casting was probably them going, oh, hang on a minute, yeah. You were in Lovejoy. You were in Lovejoy. And although Lovejoy's not a scam artist. Well, he that, sort of is. He is, really. But compared to those two bloody grifters, so what what they yeah. did was they pulled that classic scam. It's probably got a name. Which I was going to say it's, it's really got, got a name, has not it? Mm. Um, where you basically leave something of value behind for some reason. So in this case, it's a painting, and you leave it behind because it's uh, a bit big, and you need to go and get a bigger car. And claim you, you do, claim it claim doesn't have value. Right. So it's not claim really there, value, yeah. You oh, kind of like worth. it. And yeah. blah, 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 blah. I just bought it for seventy-five quid. And then a bit later on, somebody else comes into the shop where you've left this item of value and says but what is this oh my goodness well I might give you mm." basically says oh it's worth quite a lot of money pique their interest and the the person who knows nothing I mean in this case they picked shopkeepers they were going into shops and they were leaving the painting behind or do you mind if I just leave it here while I just go and get a bigger car and then the shopkeepers were being scammed into into buying it basically because the, the person leaves their card and says well listen if this person's interested in selling it here's my card person comes back and the shopkeeper's like, could I could maybe I buy, it? B- yeah. buy it for, I don't know, £300? And of course... And it happens to one of Lovejoy's local shopkeepers who's mm. conned out of, I think, £550? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind it was 1986. And it was really sad because this lad sort of thought he'd got a really good deal. Yeah, and, and, so he, yeah. and was the proud. First, was proud well, of himself and, and sort of wanted to show off to Lovejoy, look, I managed to get a good deal. Look at me yeah, getting yeah. my bargain. Yeah. And I think Lovejoy is partly hurt and annoyed for, for his friend because we've seen that he's got a kind of compassionate human side but also it's the the thing back again to good mm. honest forging this is not good honest forging this yeah, is cheating this is just there's cheating. a difference between forging and uh, the art of forging and cheating someone and Lovejoy is utterly compelled to beat cheats mm. it's interesting because he actually does help the shopkeeper to get his own back on the scammers for, for no reason other than to get his... I mean, it is partly to help the shopkeeper to get the money back, but also to, um, you know... Protect. To protect... Yeah, to, to protect the... Anti- the honour of forgery yeah. or something, yeah. But it's, but it's not for personal gain, although we don't know what he does with the... Because he makes a thousand pounds, we don't know what he does with the other four hundred. And the implication, was, I think, the implication was that he kept some and gave the rest back, and actually, yeah, which is Lovejoy's way. Or he, yeah. he used some of it to pay a forger, which I guess we'll come to. And he did rescue another person from the same scam in the meantime. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll probably talk about how he ends up there. Lovejoy gets employed this week. He gets a sort of he a, finally gets a bloody job. Thank God. He basically, <laughs> he basically got a contract, isn't he, from this dodgy chap who I think we've probably got quite a lot to say about because Tony just, Palmer Tony Palmer was he epitomised the 80s yeah he was great and not in a good way not in a way that Lady Jane's dresses do no yeah. well, there you go <laughs> yeah. but yeah yeah he does absolutely epitomise that kind of in some ways you know you might he's some... a self made man basically he's a Tory isn't he he's like oh, I work hard I'm going to work this scam hard and he said that's that all at that the I end. can do he seemed genuinely hurt and annoyed at the end because Lovejoy, you know, racing ahead slightly, but Lovejoy 
catches out him for scamming, which we'll come to explain how he did that in a minute. And he looks at him genuinely hurt and says, I worked really hard on, on basically cheating well, everybody. He really well did. And he, he did. He set it so up meticulously. That's what I was going to say, is that some people would see that as being like the positive spirit of the 80s, like the entrepreneurial, mm. oh, the yeah. go-getting, the make-your-own-money, make-your-own-way-in-the-world. And it is really. Doesn't where you come it's just from, misguided. You can make it. But it's I think in this particular yeah. case... And well, he's an I, asshole, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more, but I think in this particular case, actually, people were going to... Stand to lose quite a lot of money, really, weren't they? Oh, so actually, that so, wasn't I, that, which was a bit shitty. Yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> but I get the, it wasn't like he was good. sort of making an investment. That but I get the impression that that didn't even occur to him. Almost, yeah. maybe it did, but he was yeah, so. Yeah. It was that he was so self-obsessed. In fact, maybe he thought, well, after a year, yeah, things he, might change. But it, it struck me that he epitomised the bad side of the spirit of the eighties. That he was so self-obsessed that actually none of that had occurred to him because he looked genuinely. Like hurt, and wh- mm. why would you? So what? I've done this. I've, what's what's your problem with what I've done? Even though it is massively dishonest. Yeah. Do we want to explain what he's done? Yeah, let's talk yeah, about yeah, the yeah. scam that he's pulling. So he's, he's, so he's total white boy yuppie. So he's the one that's saying up the twentieth century antiques market. I was going to say when you were talking about that before, it's really interesting because although it's in the eighties, they are looking at twentieth century antiques, and they do he does actually say we're looking at antiques up to like the 50s and the 60s so mm. it's really interesting that it was only like 20 years ahead so it was probably quite a been it's in i don't know enough about antique dealing but it's interesting that even at that i'm point, sure some of our at, twitter followers do they were looking at objects <laughs> they were looking at objects in the 60s and saying you know these have got some value so he's saying of a 20th century antique market in this old sort of building in Norwich. That was quite new in the 80s, the idea of a 20th century mm. specialising mm. in... I remember that, or we had that when we were kids. And I'm sure, actually, this sort of place yeah, and would, I would have spend, made a lot of money. I would honestly spend money, like Vial's phone. Or your Chanel was, handbag. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> Chanel handbag. I took it out of the cupboard, it's all blooming perished on oh, the sides. Oh, it's so not, it's clearly it's not, not real. It's, it's not, not real. real. But yeah, I would spend... I would say I would spend a hundred pounds buying that Mickey Mouse phone that Vial had. I loved it. It was so cute and oh, funny. We're gonna have to find her with that bloody phone. We really are. Yeah, well, maybe don't spend hundred pounds on it, guys. I feel really dropping bad. major hints. <laughs> so, 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 what Palmer did? What this yuppie did? He employed Lovejoy. I think Lady Jane basically got him the job. So mm. there she is, digging him out of trouble again. Yeah, so he'd employed Lady Jane already. He employed Lady Jane as the interior designer to fit out the, the new market, and then he employs Lovejoy to basically go around and get him an in with all of the antique stealers so it does kind of betray Lovejoy's trust really yeah because, because it's going to ruin Lovejoy's yeah, reputation isn't it well, Lovejoy's sparkling reputation <laughs> is it? no but I think well no because the antique dealers yes res- do respect him because otherwise Dandy Jack and Helen wouldn't have stuck up for him in the pub that's in the true. last episode that, that is true yeah that is so true. they do they do think that he's but then all right, probably because of his misguided but we believe that he needs to look after everybody. We've then got some lovely scenes in a uh, Palmer is going around in a borrowed open top roller, isn't he? Yeah, um, it's red. The, the bright red. Sign up all of the antique dealers. That he get, gets to peak eighties when he said, "Oh, we're going to have a little celebration. We're going to celebrate and thank them all with a cocktail party, mm, um, cocktail party. to celebrate everybody who has kind of signed up." Um, so in the meantime, Lovejoy gets a little bit distracted by two things. One of them is is trying to sort out the scam that we talked about. Yeah, because he sees he's, it being pulled again in Norwich. He sees the scam being figures, pulled and he figures out a way to deal with it. The other thing is because he's run away and he's run away from Charlie Gimbert for a few days mm. because he has pinched, well, not pinched, claimed. Mm. 
a spiral staircase that had already been bagsied, <laughs> ultimately, isn't it, by, yeah, by Charlie yeah. Gimbert. He had bagsied it. So he runs away to Norwich and ends up staying in a very nice house with Lady Jane. With Lady Jane. But, but not in separate rooms. Yeah. Make it very clear they're in separate rooms. Because um, we're protecting their honour for some reason. <laughs> and then the, the other thing that I found, the, the, I think this episode was deliberately meant to be light relief because we've had quite a lot of dark episodes and yeah. we've got a very dark episode coming up. Oh uh, no! In a, in a couple of episodes of time, but um, they had a wonderful spoof on the Antiques Roadshow. Oh, yeah, what yeah. was it called? Antiques, Antiques Treasure, Treasure Trail. Trail. So what happened was Lady Jane said, "Did she get Lovejoy's spot on it?" And he gave it away, or I made that up. I yes. think he set up the that Palmer. Yeah, yeah, basically. basically. So Lovejoy said he didn't want to go on it because he felt that, that would like damage his reputation and people see that he just. He's on, on this sort of on TV. Also, but I think people would see that he knew too much if he'd been on the t- TV. I was yeah. thinking about this yeah. because he does play the innocent with a lot mm, of people. Think mm. of the Spode in last week's episode yeah, exactly, where he yeah. said to him, you know, oh, I said it could be Spode. And yeah. of course, he would—he knew full well it wasn't. That's the the, the point. Yeah. So, and so then, he couldn't, it would have destroyed his credibility or, or lack of credibility mm. in certain areas. And Charlie Gimbert's been invited on Antiques Treasure Trail as well. Um, and we're saying it's like the antiques, right? American listeners slash anyone under the age of twenty-five who I'm sure is listening. Uh, the antiques roadshow is something where members of the public come on, they show an expert what they've got, and the expert gives them a valuation and tells them the history of the piece. But on antiques treasure trail, there are two experts, and the member of the public comes on shows their antique, and the two experts give their expert opinion. So one of the Experts in very heavily inverted commas because he isn't an expert is this Palmer dude, and the other one is Gimbert, who is an expert. So be- well, sort of. Well, he, yeah, he, he knows more than, than Tony, Tony, Palmer. Than Tony Palmer. So before Tony Palmer goes on, Lovejoy and Lady Jane are trying to like teach him, him about and, the pre-Raphaelite brotherhood, which had me laughing so. And much. he just he just can't get it in his head. He's like the brotherhood of who and. <sighs> What else does he mess up? He says Peter Morris instead of William Morris. But the minute he gets in front of the camera, he just got recites it. it like a script. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, and Gimbert looks like a fool. Look, looks it's like an it's, absolute idiot. That's the whole point about Palmer. He's a typical like wide salesman. boy. He's yeah. a salesman. He's an expert yeah, salesman. Expert salesman. And I think so. Coming back to his scam, he um, so he's got the antique dealers. He's got the premises. He's got Lady Jane. He's got Lovejoy, and he's also got Pierre. Who's his Le- Lebanon? Who's Lebanese investor? Who's managed to leave the Lebanon? Think, bear in mind at the time there's war and conflict in Lebanon. Pierre's managed to escape, get his uh, money out, and is ready to invest. But importantly, hasn't yet invested in the market. And actually, this and then Lovejoy finds out. Who tells him this piece of information? Charlie Gimbert. Gimbert does because yeah. even Charlie's though good. Lovejoy technically made Gimbert look a bit of a twat on TV. Gimbert still wants to help out Lovejoy. He's like, don't get involved with Tony Palmer. That market he's got, he's only got a one... I think he'd already told him, and not he? Yeah, no, he must have already told him. But Lovejoy had already nicked a spiral staircase off him. (laughs) Yes. That's it. It doesn't matter what they do to each other. They still help each other. It's, you know, that's the... It is a really strange relationship. Are we going to find out, like, at the end of everything, that they're brothers or something? Yeah. No, sadly not. If only. That would be great. So, yeah... Charlie Gimbert reveals that actually Tony Palmer only has a one-year lease on this market and he's been selling three-year leases to all the antique dealers and 
saying that this is going to, he's got a 21 mm. year lease and that's the scam. And I'm just thinking about it now. I wonder, did he even sign up the antique dealers? Was that part of the scam? Because actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Lovejoy, yeah. got three yeah, Lovejoy years says, to be here. But no, I don't. But oh, I don't, sorry. What I'm saying, I wonder at the end because Lovejoy says, oh, all of this was to get Pierre's money to convince Pierre to invest. So I wonder if, did he even sign up the antique dealers to a three year deal? Was that all just a lie? Just, oh, and to say to Pierre, yeah, you know, you're in yeah. here for 21 years. and that's well, just, that. just to say, look, it's successful, it's going to be a success. I don't know, I mean, it wasn't clear either way, but basically it was a big scam. To it was a really clever scam. To it was much clever than the, the awful one with the picture that was being pulled in and around Norwich in the background. Yeah, that was a nice contrast, actually, wasn't it? Like, literally this sort of most straightforward, simple, get the money and run scam, and then this very intricate thing that is really hard work to do. Like, why don't you just get a proper job, mate? If you're so so clever that you can pull that off and you're such a good salesman that you can do that, just get a proper job. What was going on, 1980? Is it also, though, that thrill of the chase type thing and that entrepreneur, the idea of striking out on your own and this is my scam, it's my idea and I'm going to pull it off and look at me, I'm an expert salesman. Look at me, I can pose as anything. I can pose as an antique expert. You can just be an entrepreneur. Yeah, but I don't know. There was something about that spirit, that sort of can-do obsession wasn't there yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can do anything selfish. and it was very you know the 80s it was the sort of rise of the I guess the salesman this idea that you could learn everything about your product but have no idea what it is or what it does but if you know the spiel you can yeah. sell it yeah, yeah. and, and that if was you've exactly got the charm what... and if you've got the dress the trappings the car the whatever mm. and that's exactly what he proved on Antique Sugar Trail which was brilliant it had a lovely Angela Rippon-esque so presenter it was great but yeah so there was never going to be any antiques market it was all a scam and that, and they found him out in the end, and that's when we had the three second fight scene. It is because I, I think some. I wonder if somebody had had a bet that they couldn't get a fight scene into every episode. Of <laughs> and whoever it was, Lafrené or somebody said, "I bet we no, can." We can and whoever, we can whoever it was, because this one only lasted. It was like, oh shit, we're nearly at the end. We haven't had a fight scene yet, and it lasted Wait, for about him. thirty-five seconds. Um, but then, so then that was all resolved. Love Joe basically says, "I found you out." They cancelled the cocktail party, which was very, very sad. upsetting. Because thinking the fashion we were, I was going to say, talking about fashion. When did we stop tucking our shirts in? Because there was this little, there was this bit. Well, I, I, I know exactly what you Lady mean. Lady Jane was wearing these very high trousers. Well, that kind it's of go going back. They, I, I, I like, like it. I liked. I, I no, recently Italian, I started to tuck. Things is it called again. the Italian tuck where you tuck just where your belt buckle is and you tuck? That looks awesome. Because in the 80s, I'm sure everybody, everyone sort of took their blouses in. It meant they all looked slightly on the chubby side because she had these very high trousers that went well, above her belly button and then I this blouse. Oh, well, it I just looked like her top half was I don't bit... think it's that. I think that in the 80s, normal sized people still appeared on television and then something happened. No, no, no. But I don't and now mean... they don't. <laughs> no, but I don't, I don't mean that. It was because she was, because she tucked that blouse in and because the trousers were so high, it kind of looked like her legs were very long and her top was a bit too little. I kind of like mean? that look. I think that's because that's the shape that well, I well, am. When she was in her jumpsuit, I was thinking... Her jumpsuit was lovely. Her, like, I like She just looks like anybody walking up and down the street mm. i think if you were good i know we talked a couple of episodes ago about recasting lovejoy I, but i just don't think you could cast someone who looked like that today because i just don't think they would put her on the telly well caroline which is disgusting by the way. i don't think that's caroline right. langrish was and i know that we're talking a few series time but was much more 
the sort of, and I think she was beautiful, but much more the stereotype of the tall blonde, mm. you know, kind of more what you, and then some of the women that he sort of pursues are more like that. But no, it was, it was more the fashion because we don't tuck in blouses even now. And in the nineties, suddenly there was the fashion. Well, Helen does. Hel- I, just, I, I was going to say, too I do, but I only started to, I would say Mine, this year. I'm always a little bit behind And only because I bought a massive belt. And when I got the massive belt, I, I was it, like, I, I love to I was a teenager. It looks better. I was a teenager in the age of uh, oversized global hypercolour shirt t-shirts. Yes. Yes. They were great. See how much you sweating. Everyone could see yeah. exactly where you were sweating. I mean, yeah, you lovely. can probably see exactly where I'm sweating now, and yeah. I'm not wearing yeah. global. <laughs> it's very, yeah. it's very hot, listener. It's very, very it's hot. Very hot in London. Very hot. Right What's so, so, go on. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say. So this is a tangent. We'll come. Go on. Uh, we should maybe explain how Lovejoy. Um, redeems himself to his shopkeeper friend that's yeah how he um gets his own back on oh yeah the other side this was quite clever because i like this bit what i liked the most was the evolution of eric's lying oh this was brilliant which was really really interesting so we'll explain what happens you probably remember the elderly forger from a few episodes ago lovely lovely cuthy the guy who we thought was definitely on his last legs and he's he's still still going alive he's still alive in his caravan so lovejoy uh pinches well pinches borrows doesn't he Mm. um an original beautiful painting a doofy, which a I have to doofy. confess, I don't know. Nor, nor do I. Yeah, I'm sorry. A famous painter. Sorry. Um, and he takes it from the wall of this the, the the house where he's staying with Lady Jane, borrows it, takes it to Cuthy and says, can you make me a really, really good copy? If you remember, Cuthy is this expert forger. I think they've referred mm. to him as like the art of forging. They talk about yeah. the, the dying art of, of forging a few episodes ago. And uh, the idea is they were basically, it's very, very simple, they scammed this guy exactly the way that he had scammed the yeah, shopkeepers. Yeah, they scammed the scammer. They're basically a bit of product placement um, and saying, oh, no, 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 it's nothing, and persuading him to, mm. to buy it. But Eric did some class A lying. <laughs> he was really Like, in the space between the last episode <laughs> and this one, he's learned how to lie. Yeah. yeah. So, so basically he had, um, he was pretending to be like a dust cart Guy, was he? No, he's taking them to auction. Taking them to auction. 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 Uh, so Eric had a van with a load of tat on the back, including this painting. Um, the forged painting. And they pretended that Lovejoy had run into the back of the van and everything had fallen off, and they were having a big row in the street, just in time for our scammer dude, who was walking his dog, to stumble upon the scene and spot the painting and mm. be like, uh, oh, oh, by the way... Uh, while you're having your work, could I maybe just have a look at this? Mm. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of money for it. And then Eric's was saying, oh, no, somebody else has told me it's worth quite a lot of money, so I'm going to take that to the auction and da 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 the implication was that he, this guy knew a lot about art, actually, that he really did know his stuff, which mm. almost made it made it worse. He wasn't just a con artist. He was he was really, really doing one over on people. Yeah. So he spotted this immediately, obviously knew it was very valuable, um, offered him £500, and Eric said, no, I'm going to get 1000 at, at auction, and actually does get... And stuck to his guns as well. Like... Stuck to his guns. This... <laughs> I say as though he's a real person. <laughs> this, this chap then... Went and this was the lovely bit. Went inside basically to get some money, 
they swap the paintings around. He gives it. This was so beautiful. This it was, was so weird. just we dessert, enjoyed it wasn't so it? Well, well, me and Polly. We, we, I, think, I think we might have actually applauded at the television. Comes out. Eric hands him the painting. He takes it to show his wife, who is the dodgy, the supposed antiques dealer mm. with the business card in Camden Passage that doesn't the, exist. The sh- yeah. shop Camden Passage well, Camden exists. exists. I worked down the road from Camden Passage, but the shop doesn't exist. I refuse to believe Camden Passage exists. It, it does. I'll, 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 <laughs> I I'll tell like it's it in, 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 in 1992. I'll, I'll, I'll take you there sometime. <laughs> And he, um, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the Love Joe London tour list. It is on mm. definitely on the Love Joe London tour list. And um, uh, he has attached a Polaroid. Was it Polaroid? It was, it was Polaroid. a Polaroid. Yeah, oh, I remember those. Attached a Polaroid of the shopkeeper that he scammed. To the back of the forged painting. Do you know what I've just realised from your description uh, what I didn't realise while watching it is that they swapped the paintings. <laughs> I just thought they had the forgery and just showed the forgery. No, but no, no, they, no, had, no, the no. Real one. they had, had the real yeah. one. They had, well. they had the real so one because he had a good the real So one. I think if he'd, seen, if he'd seen the forgery, because he told Cuthy to put in a deliberate mistake, didn't he? Yeah. So they wouldn't be able to like sell it on. Or yeah, yeah. They wouldn't be able to. Yeah. to oh, take and again, we're back to this idea of the art of forging and, and about Lovejoy... Because he said to Cuthie, you know, put in a mistake mm. because then we don't want to fool people who yeah. don't deserve to be... It's this idea, people yeah, yeah. who don't deserve to be fooled. I don't want to actually fool people. I want to fool assholes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a, there's a, a level of he's dishonesty like a, He's like okay. a, an antique superhero, like an Avenger. Yeah, antiques man. Antiques man. Which, why don't we call the podcast that? Antiques man. Love to so, save the day. Love to yeah. save the day. On um, all counts. What, um, did, what did we learn about about this one? Well, there were a lot of things. All sorts of things. I mean, we haven't mentioned the, the music. So in oh, this yeah. episode, oh, yeah, there, there was, was suddenly loads, loads of incidental music. music. I don't know what had happened. And weird, like, discordant sort of music. We're going to have to... I'm I wonder if a lot it. of that was to do with, again, the periods that they were talking about, because there was a lot of... I don't think it was Schoenberg, but it was that kind of really discordant... Excuse me. What is... What? What is who? Um, it's like a, a modern composer that deliberately wrote, you know, dissonant... I feel like I'm the Eric of without the a, Without a tune, without a tune, that sort of, that sort of music going on. Like, Very well scored. I wonder if it was yeah. I mean, it was interesting. It was just oh, it was and noticeably was, different from previous episodes. And there was some really good um camera work. I really liked the bit where Gimbert had sort of been kind of had kind of been made to look a bit of a twat on the TV and he was chasing out and and they were chasing away from him and there's the railings between them and it was just really well framed. I really liked it. It was smart. I really enjoyed this episode. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I thought I thought it was really good. I thought it was funny and it was light relief. I think it was the deliberate light relief episode. The other thing that I quite enjoyed was um, because we spotted very early on when he steals, when Lovejoy steals oh, the spiral yes. staircase and there was a guy in it yes. and both of us were going, who is it, who is it? And it turned oh, out... Helen's just looking at us both no, absolutely blankly. It was the guy who played, or we think it was the guy who played King, King John, John in Maid Marion and Her Merry Men, which was a little bit later. It was 89, and I think, I... that that started. I, think. I also loved the lovable sort of idiot in that who went on to become an incredibly successful uh, writer, Mark Billingham. Oh yes, bloody love him, absolutely. Made Marion. He's very much. He's very much in the mold of Eric in that program. I think. Oh, uh, oh yes, it is him. Made Marion her merry man. It's a guy called Forbes Collins. Oh, I bloody knew his name as well. How did I forget? 
that. That's a great I, name. I will say, I did used to be a little bit obsessed with my own. Oh, I love that pancake day song. That that I love Maze Marion. Pancake day. That I do have on DVD. We'll have to do a po- that. Oh, I will do a podcast right, we'll do on. That one. Do you know what? Absolutely made my day once when I posted something completely unrelated. Like I didn't aim it at Tony Robinson. I put some comment on Twitter. I think I was talking to Mitch Ben and Tony mm. Robinson replied to my tweet oh. and I felt like I'd won the internet for about the next week and a half. I'm not surprised. That was amazing. But it is. That's him. Yes. Played, I'm so pleased that we recognised play, him. Played the, do- him. played the dodgy guy well, in... Forbes uh, Collins. Yeah, there you go, Forbes Collins. Forbes Collins. Um, there you go. So we learned that Forbes Collins is in Lovejoy. So what else have we learned? I've, I've, I feel like I've learned that Eric can lie if he puts his mind to it. Maybe what you've learned is... The more you lie, the better you get at it, which is not a great good thing advice. to learn. Good yeah. advice for life. If, I don't yeah. think that's what Eric's dad was intending when he apprenticed him oh. out to Lovejoy. Well, you know, it's a, it's a sort of subsidiary skill. What did you... Uh, subsidiary <laughs> skill. <laughs> like. uh, I learned that in 1986, 20 John players in a box of matches cost £1.41. Oh, and we forgot to mention this last episode, but last episode when they were in the pub, you could see that wine cost... A bottle of wine I'm talking about here. One bottle of wine costs two pound thirty-eight. You can £2.38? You know you, I mean I know you can still buy a bottle of wine for two pounds thirty-eight, but I won't be drinking that bottle of wine. <laughs> that would not be the bottle of wine for me. Not in a pub you couldn't buy that. £2.38. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned that Lady Jane has a car phone. Oh, oh yeah. We've all got an antique. I think our antique that's of our, the week. That's our antique of the week. Our antique of the week is Lady Jane's phone, which well, she, was, she was carrying around in a briefcase. <laughs> absolutely huge, but very, very, very early uh, car phone, and it was absolutely I am, huge. I'm convinced. Like the size of my, an encyclopedia. I think my dad still has his. What have I learned? I don't know. I think I've learned that. You shouldn't scan people. Maybe that's just the lesson of love drawing. Because you weren't sure before. Our scores out of ten for this episode. I, I did really enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was like as intricate and clever. I'm probably going to give it either a seven or a seven and a half because I yeah. really enjoyed it. But I know there are episodes coming that are just so joyous mm. and clever and dark that it, it, it doesn't deserve more than that but it was really bloody good well i gave the sting 7.75 <laughs> so oh, yes, i i'm ready to go to an eight for this Ooh. i mean i can't remember if i gave the one after the sting day maybe i did you've got to hold some scores um, back for the lost colony but yeah just, what, just what's say. the lost colony north carolina oh my god <laughs> every episode <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, I think this was really, really enjoyable. The camera work was really smart. Yep. So whoever directed it, I like him. I'm gonna him. Look at that unconscious bias. I will. Whoever directed it, I will be looking out for that Whether person. Whether it's female or female. Yeah, whoever whoever directed it, I'll be looking out. The for The director them. was Roger Tucker. Well, well done, Roger. That was great. I loved it. I, I'm sure the writer was. But oh, did you find out how to pronounce? There's, there's, um. A, a lack of agreement online about how it's pronounced, but there does seem to be quite a few that are saying Magahi. Magahi? Magahi. It's an Irish name, isn't it? But well, it's saying Scottish. Oh, really? Online. Oh, I, oh, I feel like that. I, I should, don't know. But well, I feel like I should know now. There's no um, consensus. So, yeah. Well, let's go in May. <laughs> I think I would give this episode a 6 out of 10 
it was enjoyable. I did learn a lot of things. In fact, my what I've learned, I could have, you know, I also we learned that Love Joy can sit cross-legged, Lotus Love Joy. Oh, oh he did. Yeah, he was almost he in a full Lotus position. He's quite flexible, is we, Ian McShane? We learned that Tony Palmer thinks that USP stands for Unique Sales Proposition. Yeah, like you see come again, on, Tony, I, get with the program. But again, I felt like is that just him trying to be smart, or is that proof? Was he blowing his cover? Because I think you yeah. don't even know. Oh, actually, in the eighties, was USP not? It's, it's overused yeah. now. So it was informative in those kind of ways, but yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't really wasn't into it. it. I was. It, that's it. I exactly. thought it was brilliant. Gripped. I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It seemed to end just super quickly, so I obviously wasn't enjoying it because I was like, oh, I want yeah. what what. There wasn't enough Eric and Tinker for my life. There was very little. I mean, I wish it was that Eric and Tinker do go up to help him scam the scammers, mm. but were largely absent. But yeah, they were. Really Tell us what you think about this episode and tell us which has been your favourite so far in this series. We're on Twitter at LovejoyAPod and I do love chatting to all of you guys on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, that's probably it for this week, is it? Yeah, we'll see you yeah. again next. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Yeah. yeah. So it's not over promise. See <laughs> you in two weeks' time. Goodbye, Bye. listener. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, listener.